Come on, I know, I know you're glad. Uh, I'm glad you're here to be on a Sunday and that with our children. And whenever that music, the lyrics of music pierce the soul, you know you're in the right place, don't you? And you know worship's good. And then the word of God come to encourage and convict. And that's what I want to do today. Uh, I see, I stand here today seeing Grace Church Waldorf as a strong, strong opportunity. And I believe the world's not going to wait on you, me, or anybody on the church. Then now's the time to seize that opportunity. We've got to do it now. We, we've got to come now. We can't wait till next week, next month, next summer in ministry. I hope when you leave here today that the Lord speaking in some way is how I can step up and step out for the sake of the gospel and God's church. Now, some of you might be here, I, I, don't, I don't know, might say, well, hey, you're talking opportunity. I'd like to have an opportunity, and I certainly understand that too. Life might be different than the rest. But hopefully today, when you leave here, you know that there's men and women here that want to be a part of your life, to encourage you, engage you, love you, take time with you, so that you can do, too, can seize the opportunity that God has before you. And then I'm also delighted that today starts the deacon side of church leadership. You know, there's been a series here uh, about church leadership and ministry and started out with the elders and now... I'm going to kick off the deacon side of it. The title of the message, Stephen, A Deacon's Legacy. Stephen's a, wow, you're going to learn, if you don't know about Stephen, you're going to learn something here. Stephen's a powerful man. Powerful man. Great, great courage. Devotion to creator God and the resurrected Christ. Very faithful sincere. Since Stephen is a man of God and we're going to see his characteristics and examine him for ourselves. And then here's what I have to tell you, though. We're going to examine ourselves as well before we leave here today. Because we've got to seize the opportunity. We do. We've come to church long enough now, right? Most of you, some of you have been coming to church 20, 30 years. Some of you are new to the fellowship, not just the fellowship as a believer, but God's called believers out to bear witness for his kingdom. Now, so let's talk about this. Stephen, one of the first chosen of the seven for deacon, the first, the first to die for their Christian faith. He was the first martyr. You'll find out all about him in Acts 6 and 7. You won't read about him again, and maybe in a couple verses there in Acts 2, 8, 2, when they mourned about him at his burial. In uh, 11, 19, when the, they mentioned how his persecution of the church broke out following his death. And then Paul admits that he was part of the approval of Stephen's death while he was still Saul before he was converted. So in reality, what I want to tell you, Stephen was all in. Come on. Stephen was all in. And when you think about it, believers, church, God's prepared us and equipped us. Is there any other way to be a believer than all in? Can you? Can can you... 
stay on the sidelines as a believer? You can. But is that where you really want to be? And I know us. I know our nature. So we're going to. So look, I'm not coming after you today, but there's this man here that gives us a great example for our deacons, our church leadership. It gives us our example for ourselves and it will lift the load. You think it's going to be hard on you to hear a message like this. But the reality is I want to lift you from thinking you come to church because you have to. Instead of that, you come to church and invest in ministry because you get to. That's where I want you to be when you leave here, because that's the only way you're going to free yourself up. I don't know of anything worse than to be semi-involved in the Lord's church, begrudgingly, don't want to, but do it out of duty. But to do it out of love, gratitude for what the Lord's done for you in my life in the past 32 years, it would have never been the same if it wasn't for that, for the Lord calling me out. It wouldn't have been the same way. That same thing is for every one of you, and you know it, some of you. I don't need to tell you that, so thank you for your patience with me. But before we go to chapter 6 and 7, we have to skip back all the way to Acts 1 to bring it up to speed. Acts 1, Jesus is now, after his resurrection, has been on earth for 40 more days, teaching, training the disciples, and he's getting ready just right now, could ascend into heaven, and what does he say to the apostles and to his believers there? You receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Acts 1.8, the mission of the church, the ministry of the church was given right there, laid out for us. Then the Holy Spirit, as promised, came at Pentecost. Peter preached a powerful th- sermon. 3,000 were added to the number that day. And then over time, they had another five and the tens of thousands come before Stephen. Exponential church growth. And with that church growth also came challenges. But I'm going to ask Grace Church Waldorf, how would you like to see exponential church growth here? Your ministries enlarge, your effects on the community grow, new people come into Christ, total unity, devotion to the Lord, joy in the building, praising God from whom all blessings flow. Who would like that? Come on now. Come on. Come on. So the apostles there, they saw that church growth. They were devoted to teaching, praying, preaching the word, casting vision. And now there was a challenge in the church. There was real ministry. And let's go to that and see what it says here. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, when the number of believers was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the believers together, disciples, believers together, and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. You heard this last week from Chaplain James. The elders said, wait, we need to cover this, but we can't neglect our role. We're going to call some deacons in. So it says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Number one qualification, full of the spirit and wisdom. We will return, we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer 
and ministry of the word. So let's go, let's go real quick. To, so what happened here? It's Passover. Greek, the Hellenistic Jews had come to Jerusalem for Passover. They now heard the preaching of the Messiah has come. They now have converted their believers in the hope of the cross and through Christ Jesus. And now they're part of the church and they're saying, wait a minute, our widows, our Greek widows, Hellenistic widows at this ministry of, of, of meals, we believe they're being overlooked. What are we going to do? And that's when the leaders, the elders says, we have to do something here. We'll choose seven among you so that we can stay in the word, teaching and praying and vision for the church. Because remember, this church is very young right now. Tens of thousands come, very young people from different backgrounds. And mostly people come that didn't, their means weren't that great. So this was real ministry. So what did they think of that ministry plan of deacons? This proposal pleased the whole group. Don't you like it when you're in church and the whole group is pleased? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know we do. Sometimes it's hard to get there, but, I, but <laughs> we're going to find out how to get there too today. Let me tell you that. They chose who? Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip. Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples, believers in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Ministry work, ministry that's still 2,000 years later, deacons in the church, serving in various capacities, full of the spirit and of wisdom. We've been delighted here over the last few months to see deacons called out and brought before the church. Choose them among you, and that's what's happened here at Grace Church Waldorf. It all sounds so simple, though, doesn't it? And in some ways it is. But yet, it's us. After all, it's us. It's humanity. And do you know, let's be honest with ourselves, the Lord says, none of us seek after him, no, not one. And I know myself, sometimes people think well of me, but I also know this. If it wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit coming inside of me 32 years ago, it wouldn't be me. Why is he that way would be coming out more often than not. It's only by the power of the Spirit. In each believer, you have that Spirit, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But those of you that say, I don't know what it's like to have the Spirit inside me, all you got to do is trust God for His grace and the resurrected Christ on the cross, repent and believe, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. The ministry plan, deacons, it worked. They were pleased. The Word of God spread. The church grew exponentially. You can find the biblical qualifications of a deacon in 1 Timothy 3 if you want to go there later. I'm not going to go over them today, and it's going to be a series, so you're going to get them. But 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells of God's plan through the apostle Paul and Timothy there. But what I want to do now is just go over some of the Stephen's, these that were called on him in these verses. 
Then we're going to examine those. We're going to talk about what happened to his martyrdom. And then we're going to examine ourselves. Are you going to hang with me? Come on now. I need you. I need you. He was full of the spirit, full of faith, full of God's grace and power and full of wisdom. Now, let's put that list up there. Now, I don't know if there's a believer in here wouldn't be, be, want to be classified in that union right there. Or do you want something else different than that? This is for, and here's the thing, this is for all believers. While Stephen can be said and called out and said that who the man of God and this, and this uh, man that he was, that can be right there for you too. Did you know that? So what is full of the Spirit? Just explain to you the Holy Spirit comes inside and Stephen, you'll find out that his spirit was so strong in him, those that were against him could not stand up against him. The power of the Spirit ruled in every aspect of Stephen's life. So you have the Spirit. So it's not like we're going to take and pour more into you and give you more Spirit to fill you up. You don't need more Spirit, but guess what? The Spirit needs more of you. See, the Holy Spirit, somewhat why you don't feel the power full of the Spirit is because you haven't given yourself to the Holy Spirit. But when you, re- you surrender and release your life to the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll have his way with you. And then you, like Stephen, will be full of the Spirit. Number two, full of faith. Stephen was so controlled by this Messiah, this resurrected Christ and everything he did, he had faith. It activated every piece of his life. So what that means to you and to me, do you have faith in God has the best for you, there's no better plan. Your plan's not better or the one that's out there that wants to hybrid with, with God's plan is not better. But you have faith in everything God says about him in his word and in his son. When you get there and you're full of the spirit, you are now well on your way. No stopping you now and no stopping Grace Church Waldorf. I'm telling you, it, it's not going to take many like that. But when it's a house full like that, Point Lookout Road will never be the same. (laughs) Full of God's grace and power. Do you remember the day God called out your name by grace and saved you? Can you recall that? You can say yes. Come on. I remember the day he called out my name. And then are you grateful? So that grace that was given to you, the power of God's grace is not the grace received. It's it's the grace given. When you're grateful for the grace that was given you, when you knew you couldn't save yourself and you were separated from God, then you understand how to unleash that grace to the community and others that you possibly don't think deserve it. That's where the power is going to come from, not from the grace you received, but from the grace that you give. Now, full of wisdom. Man. And a servant leader. You know, this charismatic Stephen, he preached, you'll see that in Acts 7, full of all this. But he still did what? He served tables. He didn't say, that's children ministry. I'm a man. I don't do that. He didn't say, no, 
I like to do. You have anything in this area? Servant leadership, servant ministry cries out to the old Lord. There's opportunity here, grace. Show me and I'll fill it. Let's talk more about that wisdom. Because I want you to know what true wisdom is by the by James, the brother of Christ himself. He said, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom drives us to humility, not thinking high of ourselves, not being the smartest in the room, not having the best plan. Because if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let's put them in the balance again. Church of disorder or a church where everybody's pleased. That's going to require godly wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. I'm going to read that verse 17 again. That sounds good, doesn't it? Huh? That sounds good. That sounds real good. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. What I've been looking here since I've been is that you're setting some men up now with these attributes and characteristics and this godly wisdom. And that's what it's going to require. The church, the truth of the matter, we're on the run right now. Some of you might not agree, but we're on the run somewhat. But men in sitting out here and in church leadership, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, centered on the resurrected Christ, can move mountains and we no longer will be on the run in Charles County or around the world. The Lord needs you. You don't have to, remember. You get to. The Lord can get his work done by anyone. He's opening up an opportunity right now in this season at Grace Church Waldorf. So with all these attributes that I've thrown on Stephen and the Bible has, wouldn't it make sense? Why did he, the first to die, very short ministry? The church was very young. Why didn't God hang on to this great man? Because you know either God ordained it or he permitted it. So why this man, Stephen, have to die? Now, I don't know. I don't like to interject what, I, what, what God did, but I think Scripture gives us a hint. And in a few minutes, we're going to go over what that is. But let's briefly go by what happened here in chapter 6 and 7 for Stephen get to the point of martyrdom. 
Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose. Mm. The members of the synagogue, they did not like hearing about their self-righteousness, nor did they like hearing that this man from Nazareth, Jesus, was God in the flesh. They didn't want to hear it. However, from the members of the synagogue, this operation of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You see the power of the Holy Spirit. If you give more of yourself, more wisdom arrives. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses. They had to go get some false witness to stand to Stephen. They testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we had heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to him. Here's what I want to say about Stephen quick right here. Now, you know, chapter seven is two or three sermons in itself for a pastor. You know that, right? So I'm not going to do you like that. We're going to move on. But Stephen here, here's here's this courage of Stephen. Stephen knew about right now what was going to happen. Do you know that? How do you how do you think he knew? Spirit. Wasn't there another man that was brought before the Sanhedrin? False witnesses. Railed against him for claiming he was the son of God. Spoke to them against their self-righteousness. Oh, that was the Christ a few years before him. He knew what was happening. But Stephen didn't take off running. He didn't say, excuse me, I'll be right back. Let me, let me talk to the fellows. Stephen and the power of the spirit and the wisdom knew, just like Christ knew, that he said, Lord, take this cup from me. But if your will be done, thy will be done. Stephen knew the same thing. He was such courage, such full of spirit, faith and wisdom that the time was for him to say, I'm putting a stake in the ground to share the gospel. Whether I live, I live. That was the power of Stephen. And let's move on. Now, you can see Stephen got in a little trouble here. I mean, I'm going to choose my little words a little better this morning. You stiff-necked people. Come on now. Whoa, who is he? He said, you are just like your ancestors. The ones that railed against the prophets that said, repent, I will for a little while, but I'm going to go back to my old ways. He says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. They killed the ones that told us, the one you just killed, the Messiah, the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but not have obeyed it, have not obeyed it. 
But now it's time. They were stoning him. Stephen knew it was going to end that way. He said, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees. And like who? Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. Is that a Christ-centered man? Is that a courageous man? Is he full of the Spirit? Full of wisdom? Faith, power, and grace? I don't know what situation anybody's in now or ever going to be in. But I know the Spirit, faith, wisdom, power, and grace will take you anywhere. It'll take you anywhere. So, let's talk about a little bit about what, some insight on this, this death, and then we're going to examine ourselves. I won't be much longer. First, I believe that God speaks to all of us through Stephen. And tells us that we are saved for his plan and purpose. We sometimes think we're saved so God, you can bless our plan and purpose. I'll come to Christ, but, and sometimes that's what's difficult for us leading to Christ. Because we want to promise people something that we really can't promise. All we're promising in salvation is peace with God. Being right with God. And that's enough. Number two, Jesus was good for his promise when he told him the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and what? You'll be one with us in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria. Right here, the Bible says, and Paul admitted to it, that through that day he was part of the persecution that led the church out, and they went as far as Samaria and out there. Got the gospel all over the world. And then lastly, and this is what we're going to go over and examine ourselves, somewhat symbolic that men and women, believers, fellow church, there's things that must die inside of us, and within our church so others can live. There's things that must die inside of us that we still hold on to, that we love, that we covet, that we say it's not bothering anybody, but it is, it's, it's impacting us, our time, finances, our joy, our peace, our schedule. The church possibly has things that we've said We've got to continue to do it this way. This was our heyday. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Instead of saying, this is a new day. What's the best way to bring the lost to Christ right now? So you ready for some, to examine yourself? Paul told us to do that. Second Corinthians, he says, Christians, examine yourself. See whether you're in the faith. Don't you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? I'm going to leave this Good Samaritan just right there for you. It's in Luke 10. We're not turning there, and I'm not even putting it on the screen because I thought where I was here that most of you are familiar with this story. So I'm going to be very brief on the story, but we're going to draw some things out of it that, that, that 
that laid in there with me. Well, they, Jesus told this parable and he said the expert of the law came up to him. Somebody that was an expert in the Old Testament says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You've heard that three others have done that. Jesus asked, answered back, what does the law say? Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you're right. Do this and you live. He said, you'll have eternal life. But here's where I'm going to go with our first examination so we can get something straight about us too. Ask ourselves this. You know what loving the Lord with all heart, mind, soul, and strength is? Something that we can never do. That's why we need a Savior. Even our best days we can't, can we? That doesn't mean that who we are. But that's why the Holy Spirit came in our lives. Because we knew who we were before, and then we know still now there's things in there that we're, we've been battling for years. But when we give more of ourselves, the Holy Spirit will take more of that. But not until. You flirt with it, you want to grip and hold on to it, it's going to wear you out. So Jesus knew that. He says, I know what's inside of man. So now... And let me tell you, no, before I do that, let, yeah, I do want to tell this one story. The man, I read this. The managing editor of the publication Christianity Today a couple years ago wrote an article on himself inside of Christianity Today about how he, even though writing all those articles and being the managing editor, he just really didn't feel the passion for Christ and the love for God. He said that didn't, he says, uh, he says, I even got to the point, he said, if I don't read my Bible and if I don't pray, he says, nothing will be any different. He says, I'll still manage a good paper. He says, I'm good in my church still. He said, the people that work under me, he said, they respect me. My bosses, they like me. He says, but I just don't have a passion for the Lord. And then guess what else he went on to say? He said, and the bad problem with that, that season of my life, I didn't know if I really wanted to love him anymore. But that's our second check. Because if we want to love God with all of our heart, we can put our minds and hearts to get there with the power of the Holy Spirit, can't we? See, often at times we don't want to admit to the fact that we really don't want to. I'm only saying all this because I think that's what the Bible's telling us about ourselves. And I want to clear you up and freshen you up. I want so many bright days here at Grace Church Waldorf. And they're coming from you. There's nobody coming from Annapolis to do this. It's us. And God's called you to do it. And he's going to equip you to do it. And I want to encourage you to do it. And remember, this parable is just not about kindness. This is a salvific parable. It is about eternal life. So we know the man came down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and there he was robbed and beaten and left for dead, right? Then two men, a priest and a Levite, they saw him. Whoa, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going down this aisle, not that one. Don't want to investigate. 
Third man came by as a Samaritan, the despised guy from the Jews, the least likely. He said, he went, not only went and attended, nursed him up, took him to the end, paid money, took his time, returned, gave more money so that the person could live. Jesus asked a question to the expert of law. He says, who do you think the neighbor is? He says, which one of you, in other words, which one of these do you think will receive eternal life? Now, I'm not talking about by works. But the saved person loves God with all the heart, mind, and soul with the power of the Spirit and loves their neighbor. The saved person is full of faith, full of the Spirit, full of godly wisdom, and full of grace and power. So here's where the final check is. And you know, I spoke to you last week about child evangelism fellowship, and I'm just, I'm not promoting that. It's, it's an opportunity. Just, just listen. That's the word I use. It's an opportunity. But let me, let me, for those that weren't here, let me say again, there's 11,000, 11,000 elementary school children in Charles County. Estimate through Barna Research and all, that would mean only 7,000 would go to church, if at all, that, not more, and they've heard the gospel. And then if you look in Charles County, it's not that off, but about three out of 10 are on the free and reduced lunch program. There's issues at home, possibly a one parent at home, mental health issues, slight poverty, don't have the gospel. In other words, there's 7,000 churches, just use this story, work with me, that are possibly left for what? Spiritual deadness. Now, as a church and as a person, we can go this way and check on those needs and be a part. Or we can be our old self and say, that's for them. I don't have time. But in reality, here's what we think about evangelism. What will happen to me? What will happen to my schedule? What will happen? Who am I going to have to get close to? What if they rob me? What if I'm taken advantage of? What if we go there for children and nobody comes to our church? Instead of what will happen to them if I don't go? You imagine walking down the beaten rock and you look and there they are and you're saying, they'll be all right. Oh, we do that, you know. But now we're talking about something totally different. Look down the road. Those lost people in those neighborhoods around the county, those schools. I'm sure some church in the neighborhood, they'll get to that. They'll be all right. I'm going to close here. Because I know you're ready for me to. So the question is, what's going to die in your life and the life of this church so others can live? What's going to die in your life and in this church so the church can live stronger? What's going to die in your life and in the church so that you can love God more? Grace Church Waldorf, it's ripe here. You have it all. You can be so much 
for the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrected Christ and a witness right here. Trust God through Christ. Trust him with all. And today sees the moment. Don't wait till next week to decide. You talk to your spouse or if you're single, who you need to talk to. But today, come to grips with giving your life away so others might live. Do it now. Do it today. Pray with me. Pray with me. Father, Lord, you've given us a lot. You've given us salvation. You've given us a hope. You've given us a savior. You've given us eternity. Father, don't allow us to come back and ask you, is there more? The more comes from us, O oh Lord. The power of grace comes from not what we receive, but of what we give. Now bless this time together. Speak to our hearts. May our lives reflect the joy and grace we have. And I pray this in the one that saves and is that powerful name of Jesus. Amen.